Hey everybody, episode 35, Mission Control, uh, hope you're all well. Uh, it's been a while uh, since the last podcast, I think it was episode 34 with Andy Jones from Morpheus Management and King Onion, uh, they're sort of a uh, new metal kind of early 90s cover band, they're pretty cool. Um, also, I think the episode before that, uh, number 33, was with Adam Thorne, who's a biologist, uh, quite a knowledgeable fellow on his species of animals. That was a, a really interesting chat. And of course, the one before episode 32 uh, was with Sean Hendry from I Said the Sparrow. Uh, I'm sure you can all see uh, the episodes anyway up on the website, missionctrl.com.au. Today on the podcast, we have two guests. Um, Actually, it's the first couple to be on the podcast. Um, It's Michael Paolino from a band that I play in called Husband. Uh, I guess you could say he is Husband. Um, And also his wife, Sarah. Um, and she's, she's pretty cool too. She, uh, writes movie scripts. Uh, she does a lot of media and communication stuff, uh, stuff that I'm really interested in. Um, in fact, I'm doing my, uh, bachelor in communications myself. So yeah, it's going to be a really interesting chat about media, uh, some stuff about movies, of course, music. I definitely like to touch on our trip to LA recording the husband album, uh, that should be pretty pretty interesting as well. I don't think I've actually had a proper chat about my trip to LA. Um, we recorded uh, our album in West Hollywood. Um, and it was uh, produced by a guy named Rick Parker, who's also done some work with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and stuff like that. I'll stop name, name dropping now. That's pretty lame. But um, uh, the other half of the podcast, Johnny, he's in Melbourne at the moment, uh, wheeling and dealing. So unfortunately, he couldn't make it down. But three's still a crowd. Um, so looking forward to uh, having a discussion with Michael and Sarah. What else have I been up to? Uh, I've been playing in another band called Fate. Uh, that is spelled F-A-I-T, uh, with a lady by the name of Elise Higgins. Uh, I used to play in a band with her about 10 years ago, and uh, she shot off to London for about four years and came back with uh, an amazing EP. Uh, It's kind of shoegazy, dream pop, instrumental, uh, and it was produced in London by a fellow named Darren Lawson, who has worked with the editors and My Bloody Valentine, and The White Lies, um, more name dropping, sorry, uh, all really good bands, some of my favourite bands to be honest, um, we're launching our EP, uh, as well as our, it'll be our debut show as well, um, and that will be at The Bird on the 31st of May, which is a Saturday, I do believe the State of the Art Festival is also on that day, but uh, I think that finishes around 10pm. So uh, if you're going to that, if you're not, uh, either way, come down to The Bird on uh, the 31st of May. I'd love to see you all there. Um, I'm going to play a quick track now from one of my friend's bands, uh, who's also in Fate. Uh, he's in a band called Hyler. Actually, um, uh, the guitarist and bass player are from Hyler. I'm going to play a track called Sides by Hyla. Um, It's a really cool sound. It's kind of lo-fi, neo-psychedelia. 
I don't like to categorize bands, but you know, I'm just trying to give you an overall vibe of the sound. I really love it. Um, and here's their track now uh, called Sides, and I'll be back with Michael and Sarah. Control Podcast. Changing the way you listen. Hey everybody. Welcome back. Welcome Michael and Sarah. Hello. Hi. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty I'm good. good. I'm good. How was the drive over here? <clears throat> I got lost. <laughs> Do you have every guest say that they got lost? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Everyone has to come from, like, north of the river. <clears throat> and as soon as I get to the estate, they just call me and they're like, uh, Oh, my God. I'm lost. <laughs> and there's just kids walking around everywhere. Like, there's two, there was two gangs of kids. Yeah. And they were walking. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> gangs of kids. There was these two, like, really scary-looking gangs of kids. So we followed them slowly and in the car. we followed them slowly. But I was them. looking at my map. And they thought that we were going to kidnap them, but no. <laughs> do you still look at the uh, paper maps, or do you use the uh, the Google Maps? The what? I'm on the, the pa- paper yeah. maps. The what? <laughs> I'm on the phone, phone map. I yeah. love it. Location. Mm. Yep. Except for when I'm feeling paranoid and that, like, the government can, like, find me. I like to turn off my location services. Well, uh, the scary thing is when uh, me and Johnny were driving through LA, um, we didn't have a SIM card or wi-fi mm. yet when we'd refresh it at a place it would have it knew like our tracks like where we'd been really yeah like the journey to there which is really creepy uh, which goes to show like it's still on even it's though it's off on. you know that's why you can't take the battery out you need like screwdrivers and stuff to actually turn oh, really? it off yeah no, i thought you could take the battery out and you then can take the safe. battery out but it's a lot harder for like iphones and yes the new they don't have batteries i like talking to you about this stuff because then i just feel paranoid <laughs> for the next like few hours extra paranoid which is a subject of most of your songs you should be more scared of the gangs outside your house bro yeah <laughs> the slingshots <laughs> <laughs> selling lemonade poison lemonade poison lemonade and slingshots <laughs> Uh, so how's the the husband stuff? You you still writing and stuff? I'm in the band with you, so this. Well, seems seeing really how weird. you're in the band, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna pretend like I'm not in the band for. Well, I suppose you wouldn't know everything. Like I've yeah. got seven new songs that I've cool. been working on. Um, definitely, even though the album's not released now, the the single's just been released. Um, I think actually it's being released next week. 
um, it's going out to radio and stuff. Um, the single caught, but the album is, I think, like August or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though it's not been released, I mean, I've listened to it for so long now, like it was recorded a year ago. I uh, know what I want to do differently next time. I definitely want to have more of a live feel because um, I did everything myself and it was so uh, pre-organized. Everything was like pre-done at home and then I just re-recorded it in LA. Remember, we just went through everything again. I mean, we changed the drums and things, but it was so like I had so much control over it and I think I'd like to just lose a bit of that control Mm-hmm. For the sake of maybe some spontaneity and stuff like that, which yeah. I think is, uh, I think that would make for a better album. Mm. You know, just overall feel is just a little bit looser and um, a bit more fun. I think you just like leave it open for things yeah. to happen. A bit more of a, a band sound. Yeah, I, more yeah. of a, yeah, exactly. That, I, th- I, th- I think we did pretty well anyway. It still does sound like a band. Yeah, totally. Know? I mean, yeah. but the songs are songs and they're really, they're carefully thought out and like they're, they're put together well. So, I mean, it does sound like a band, obviously, mm. but there's just really subtle stuff you you don't get unless you write the song as a band, I think, Yeah, and feed off each other. Even if like, you know, we come up with something I don't like, we'll just change it. We'll just keep trying until it's right. I think I'd like to try that for a few of the rockier songs. Mm. I don't know why. I just, that's the one thing I think we could do better maybe yeah. next time. But yeah, so that's been cool. So I've just got these seven songs and if I can play them on the acoustic really well, I'll just, once I have them sort of, as I like them, I'll just show them to the, you guys and yeah. we'll go from there. That's how you write primarily, right? You sit down with an acoustic. If it doesn't, yeah, for me, if the song isn't interesting for three minutes on the acoustic, then I don't think it's a good song. Yeah, yeah. Like, like fundamentally, the chord changes and the hooks still have to be there. Yeah, and as, the way you sing song. it, your voice, the tone, you know, mm. everything needs to... I, I feel like the song should really draw someone in and if, you know, if the story's there, you don't need a lot musically. Mm-hmm. But if your story isn't, then you probably should be doing a bit more musically. Like, it's a, I know it's like a bit of a old man way to think about the music, but I just, that's how it, like, mm. makes sense to me. Yeah. Now. You've heard the album, Sarah? Yeah, I've heard the album a few times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sick of it now? <laughs> uh, no, I actually get it in my head a lot. But it's funny because he'll just be writing a song and I'll be working because I work from home and, and he'll play it like 20,000 times that mm. day and then he'll go, hey, Sarah, do you want to hear my new song? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Already heard it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I actually like I actually like his music, which is a relief mm. because if I didn't, I'd have to... Um, that would be awkward. We wouldn't have been together for seven years, though. I think it would be difficult. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think it's good that you're into music in general like because you see couples sometimes and you know the other person is just completely not oh my into God. music at all i don't think we could have yeah. this wouldn't have worked would it when yeah. i met sarah though she had the best taste in music and then mm. it deteriorated rapidly the longer i spent because <laughs> <laughs> i showed her things like audio slave and stuff she's like what yeah well you were into like the yeah yeahs and heaps of good bands right yeah, yeah. what are no, your, what are oh, your well, top five bands my top um, five. Oh well of course i love the pixies i'm obsessed with frank black and i love the velvet underground and i guess lately brian jonestown massacre yeah two more uh <laughs> who else i've always loved neil young um I love heaps of those older bands like the Kinks and things like that. That just have so many hits and you don't even realise until you start getting like into the Clash. them. 
Yeah, I don't mind. I like The Clash. I think they're fun. Like, I just think they're ridiculous. Some of their songs just sound like absolutely ridiculous but fun. And, yeah, so I think they're cool as well. But I don't know. There's just so much different music out there that I love. Mm, But I just haven't been getting into it so much lately. I've just been, I don't know, just sticking to husband. Yeah. (laughs) It it comes and goes. It comes and goes in in waves, I think. Because there'll be a period where I just don't listen to any new music. I don't even have the radio on or anything. Yeah. I just prefer to listen to, like, old stuff that I used to be into. Stuff you know. Yeah. Stuff that I'm familiar with. I think it almost reflects, like, where you're at as well. Like, sometimes you just start feeling adventurous, like you want to have a Mm. change in your life, and then you just start listening to this new music, and you're like, yes, this is the new Sarah. Mm. And then now, like, if I listen to the Stone Roses, I think back, and it just reminds me of, like, a specific time in my life. Yeah. It's kind of like, you almost don't, you might have loved them at that time, but the nostalgia of it, you don't really want to go back there. You kind of just move forward from it. Yeah, yeah. There's certain bands that I like that, like, I've bookmarked them in my life during, like, a really painful time. So, like, I literally can't listen to that band. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it just digs it all up. It's like yeah. in High Fidelity when he catalogs his record collection by, like... Breakups? Um, by, yeah, <laughs> like, events in his life. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's literally a soundtrack to your life. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I've just recently had to listen to bands because we're trying to get supports for our single launch. Mm. So Rachel keeps Rachel's um, our manager. Uh, she keeps sending me band names and stuff, and I, I've been looking as well. And that's been cool because I've been like, "Wow, there's some really good bands in there's Perth. Some really good bands, and they're yeah. really young." And yeah. I'm like, "No, yeah, I'm an yeah. old man." So there are. Uh, that's been good. Like yeah, Tide Line. I just noticed on the desk here. I had to listen to them, and there's yeah. so many. Oh man, there's so many good bands that I had just no idea about. Um, yeah. Mm, and they're they're so uh, on top of things like mm. for, for their age because I remember even just going back five years ago, I cringe at just what a dumbass <laughs> I was like, uh, which which is a good indicator that I'm probably getting better. But yeah, you know, you look back at when you were that age. But then the internet was kind of still new to us. Yeah, in a way, like it I mean, was. it wasn't new, but internet marketing for bands, we were, you know, we came from that school of thought, and they were still going with the labels and getting signed. Remember TAFE? It was yeah. all about getting signed. Yep, yep. Getting airplay. Yeah. And we Triple J, spent, I spent a year, you spent two years doing yeah. management, mm-hmm. you know, following like, obviously they had the new types of ways to get famous or known or, mm-hmm. but man, they were, they were becoming quickly outdated. Yeah. Schools yeah, of thought. Definitely. I, I mean, they, they've revamped the whole thing now. They've scrapped Cert 4. So yeah, right. it's only a diploma now. Mm. But um, it's amazing. Yeah, just five years and the whole industry has just gravitated towards internet-only yeah. releases. Oh and it's it's so bizarre. Like, people just don't want to buy CDs anymore. And that's no. that's the harsh reality. If if they can't get it within 10 minutes, they slowly give up on the band. Yeah. Or they'll, you know, wait to hear it again another time and then that will spark the interest and yeah. stuff like that. But generally speaking, like, no one... I, can't remember the last time I popped a CD into my car, which is no, kind of sad. You just plug your iPhone in yeah. through the auxiliary. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's it. Um, but, I mean, Rachel's talking about we could get some vinyl pressings. I think vinyl's still a cool thing. I don't think that'll die out anytime nah, soon. because, I mean, if a DJ wants to spin it at a party or whatever, they, they I think there's a bit of a market to buy them. And that's I'm glad because artwork looks so good on vinyl. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's a really cool thing. And also just as, you know, Sarah says, uh, Sarah's a writer, and so when her uh, writing goes to print, she feels like quite I, like... I wasted a tree. No. <laughs> you feel happy, right? You see it yeah, in no, print. It's, cool. it's um, fulfilling. It's, it's always cool to see stuff in a tangible way. Yeah. Because even though, you know... It's just funny because even like you were saying how the music industry has changed to online, it's like it's every industry and, and all the businesses are trying to catch up with this online marketing and they've got no yeah. idea what they're doing and everyone's like trying to be an expert um, and you're just kind of like fighting your way through to try and get traction. Yeah, you're pioneer- pioneering like a new sort of business really. Yeah, which is cool. You, I mean, Sarah um, does online social media. It's a really good idea. That's... Um, I think a lot of businesses now are catching on to that because oh, yeah. yeah, a lot yeah, of businesses yeah. are still kind of stuck in that old school I know. way and they, they don't realize that one tweet can destroy your business. That's, that's true. If as you well, fuck yeah. up, like, you know, you're going to be yeah. held accountable and you'll, you'll be ripped to shreds on Twitter. I think um, the beauty of, of social media, and this is probably a bit boring, but I get kind of excited about it is that, you know, you just connect so easily with people yet at the same time, it's that instant connection that can be really bad for a business or a mm. band because you've just got to really be able to kind of mitigate what you say and know. And if yeah. you do something wrong, you have to manage it quickly, don't you? Yeah, oh, but yeah. that's all part of it. And I, think, I always think it's best to just be open and honest and transparent and then you'll usually come off better for it or at least that's what I tell my clients. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. people, I think res- yeah, people <laughs> will respect the transparency and, yeah. and honesty even if you do like make a mistake exactly. as a business. Like if you try and do the damage control and try and redeem that customer, I think. Yeah. Just, if you put just, in the effort, they yeah. respect it. Mm. Try not to say anything too politically incorrect, which is pretty hard <laughs> these days. So yeah. Someone's yeah. always going to be offended no matter what, I think, at yeah. the end of the day. So. I think uh, on a last tour that I did with the Voltaire twins, they screw, uh, I think Qantas screwed up a piece of equipment. Mm. And at the airport, we tweeted hashtag Qantas, like, what you know. Yeah. Terrible service, blah, blah, blah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Within five minutes, like, they were all over it. Trying really? To, tr- trying to mitigate it and trying to forward us a number to call and all that stuff. So, it goes to show Ooh. that they people are, like, watching yeah. Twitter. And I think yeah. hashtags are such a powerful way to organize tweets. But, yeah. unfortunately, it's wasted on people that don't really get the idea of hashtags. <laughs> sorry, sorry to keep going on Qantas, but Sarah and I, we're about to go to Canberra, Tassie and Sydney. And we're like, we just refuse to book anything through Qantas. Like, yeah. remember that when we went to LA and Seb and Connor went Qantas and they were like held there for seven hours. Yeah, in delayed. Like, yeah, delayed. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then something just happened with Sarah's parents as well. They were delayed because of Qantas. I'm like, oh my God, I just mm. don't want to know about it anymore. Yeah, I think the, um, I don't know. I don't know if, the, if their service is declining or if, if it's just more transparent now. But I think for music, though, for bands, Virgin's better. They were so like, they yeah. were just like, whatever. They're you, way more accommodating. We brought in so much stuff mm. last tour and they didn't even care. Mm. It was well overweight, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. You were standing on the actual weighing machine jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're way more accommodating for, for musicians, I think. Probably because they're skinny. So you take up less space on the plane. Well, most musicians seem <laughs> yeah, to be quite true. thin. True. It's the rock star I diet. Think, I think they just realise that it will evens out. Chicken legs. The chicken legs. <laughs> the chicken the legs. pipes. 
you got to fit into these jeans to be in my band. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Like even the la- the larger musicians still have skinny legs. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone has skinny legs. There's a direct correlation, correlation between musical between... ability and the thinness and chicken legs. of your thighs. You need yeah, and then as you get older, you have chicken legs and a little beer beer belly. Yeah, and that's just like. That's still awesome. Yeah, it's, it's still like okay. Yeah, yeah. We just watched um a YouTube video of um you know what's that guy Wolf from Barrel. the Red Hot Chili oh, Peppers? Uh, Chad um Chad oh, Smith. Chad Smith. The drummer. The, dr- the drummer yeah. with Will Ferrell. Who looks yeah. exactly like Will Ferrell. They do. Exactly. Yeah. And I've always noticed that. It's yeah. crazy, but they dressed exactly the same. Yeah. For this and drum for off. Jimmy Kimmel's show, and they did a drum off. I think it was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, Jimmy oh, Fallon, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, and they did a drum off. It was so funny. It was really funny. That was trending everywhere on, <laughs> on Twitter and Facebook. Everyone was posting that. Yeah. I was obviously way behind on it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting. I, I do want to get into like um, music as a living, mm. I think is really interesting because we're, we're all kind of past that 25-year-old mark. Yeah, we're, well, I mean... We're, we're still, still doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, the more I associate with people that are of that older bracket, like some of the work ethic is like really inspiring. Mm. Like the fact that they're still pushing to do it, not necessarily making any money back, but they yeah. just feel like they can't do anything else. Yeah. And that's the people that I gravitate towards, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Like yeah. there's a lot lot to be said for that. Um, I remember when you said, you know, I said, you know, I'd like to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I was just thinking to myself, oh, what the hell am I going to talk about? And then, but really, there's so much um, self. Uh, I've had so many realizations about myself mm-hmm. by doing music yeah. as a as a career path. Um, that I th- I don't know. It was it's actually been quite full on. Uh, last the last five years probably been the hardest. I reckon because mm-hmm. I'm like thirty in a couple months. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Sarah and I got married three years ago. And uh, yeah, so we've been like, obviously, just trying to yeah pay bills and things like that. Mm-hmm. We were lucky with um, our accommodation. Um, Sarah's dad owns the house, and um, we were able to we rented there for a long time, and now we live there rent free. Mm-hmm. So that's been like an amazing, amazing opportunity for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we managed to do it before paying rent. But yeah, I mean, it's a struggle. I don't. I honestly, anyone that is still doing music in their later years, you know, thinking about having kids and all that, I just it's commendable because it's a really it you're really flo- you're swimming against the stream there. Mm. Um, yeah, I've no, heard, no one's no one just falls into that and <laughs> like uh, you oh, know yeah. casually like yeah. I think oh, I'll wow. just do this. Like you, you're obviously in it because your soul aches if you're not doing that. Yeah, it's and just I think what for me. I've had many jobs in my time. And yeah. just the drive home every day, existential crisis. Like, yeah. why can't I adjust to just working at any job? Yeah. And it, like, it seriously hurts. Mm. And the second I'm in the jam room, it's it's all fine. So it's like, I don't yeah. know. I think that's a good sign in a way because it filters everything out. And you're like, well, I, I guess I'm supposed to do this. Like, yeah. And I think that's why, like you said before. It's so important to surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm. And it sounds like a bit of a cop-out. Like, I'm just friends with people that agree with me. Mm. But it it just makes it so much more Mm. lovely. Because you you grow together. Exactly. And And you kind of validate each other Mm. and go, oh, we're not not working in an accountancy firm and Mm. climbing through the ranks. Yeah. That's okay. 
And you don't feel like an outcast because I think that's right. For us, in, in a, we find social situations hard, especially being introverts. I think we're all introverts. Like, yeah. when you really don't fit in, it's painful. It, like, it is, yeah. does hurt. And like, there's people that I like, that <laughs> really like, and they're my friends, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy their company. But they'll say things like, you know, you should be a cop. Yeah. And that that just like just makes me feel so alienated. Like, because I don't. I'm a musician, like yeah. that's it for me. And I'll do any. I'd, I've, I mean, I've got a business as well mm-hmm. that I'm running that is ab- absolutely nothing to do with music. Yeah. But um, it's really super part time, and it doesn't really earn much money. It's just something. I found that life needs balance, and that like yeah. having a bit of a business and doing something else is good mm-hmm. for you. Like. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, music costs a lot of money. That's <laughs> it like does. just the truth of it. So, it does. Um, and I, I'm also looking to get, start up a studio and stuff uh, down the track. So, mm. yes, but anyway, yeah, talking to someone that says, you know, you should be a cop or, you know, you'd be good at this. And gosh, you just feel so alienated and like just lonely. And I think like at the same time, um, so much of society, uh, men are so, it's kind of a pressure and un unsaid it's unsaid yep um but you should be making money and money is a really close um was it tied in with your self-worth yeah Yeah. like men's i think i mean i'm not obviously i'm not a man (laughs) but i know that yeah it's very confusing for me sometimes (laughs) but i know that for men it, it seems to be like your worth is determined by power and wealth and for women i think it's determined by how you look and how young you are yeah, appearance and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, which is hard for both of well, you just both look, parties, I suppose. It's simple. Yeah, you just look at like who are the most famous people, or who are the most sort of um, revered people. Is that the right word? Yeah, no, that's mm. perfect. Cool. Mm. And um, excellent wording. <laughs> and they, I mean, you know, in the in the as far as women go, you can yeah. name. You don't like, you, you don't see think, super rich women with like hot young men. I mean, every now and then there's like Madonna and stuff. But, I mean, mm. you don't see ugly rich women with hot young men. Like, you see pretty ugly old men with, with really hot young girls. <laughs> young girls. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I mean, as much as I like to think that stuff is dying out, like gender roles and stuff, it's reinforced almost every day in the media and even when you go out. Like, it's still there. You're saying yeah. like in Western society? I think gender so. Gender roles? Are yeah. I think gender yeah. roles, is, like, it's something that... I hope to see slowly die out, but I, it's it's still quite strong. It's still around, I think. Definitely, oh, mate, because I think it's like, oh, okay, this is perfect. I know I said, oh, I've been watching Robocop. Yeah. And I swear to God, I like, I watched it just with new eyes, fresh eyes. And, um, okay, so Robocop, the original. Okay. Yeah, the original. The not, good one. <laughs> the new one should not have been called Robocop. It should be called Cyborg Police because <laughs> it has nothing to do with the original Robocop. The actual... It didn't have the... The, the message. The themes and the, yeah, the values and stuff that, the, that it carried. Yeah. But here is like a robot. He's asexual, right? Because right. he, he doesn't, doesn't have a penis. That's right. Right. He okay. can't actually pr- reproduce that. this guy. He's, he's a head on a robot body. His muscles are fake. You know how he has those big biceps? They're like just a robot. He doesn't need them. He could just be a little skeleton. He's a robot. Yeah. But they put all this masculine stuff on him. He doesn't... He's not emotionally there for his family. He doesn't support a family. He's just fucking cop, right? Yeah. Yet you think... When you think Robocop, you think, oh, 
it's so masculine. And he all and he only works. He that was only works. Thing. He, he lives only at works. the police station. Yeah. He works twenty four hours a day, I think. And he, oh my god, he's baby food for God's sake. They actually feed him baby food. Yeah. Yet you still think he's masculine. And I think that what you just said, like, it's it shows. I think how we view men. It's mm-hmm. strength, and strength. Yeah. It's just, it's just, and, and just constant work, work, and, and your career. It's yeah. career and strength. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I know that's a massive generalization, but um, it's it's a fair point. I think. Yeah, it's just one that I've sort of. I just love Robocop. For, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just says it straight up. Because if you go, oh wow, what a yeah, he's so masculine. He's not masculine. He's a robot. Mm. And those traits are so yeah. um, uh, ingrained in society yeah. for a man. Like, you just have to be strong. And they're getting... I think they're actually getting slightly worse, bro, because um, you got... I mean, guys didn't even look as ripped as they do now in mm. movies even. Yeah. I mean, they were a bit more misogynistic probably in the old James Bond days. Yep. But, oh, my God, men are really pushed now to look yeah like superheroes yeah yeah yeah. so i don't know about i think the strength thing is always going to be there i would i would love to live in a in an age where i think kids are just raised to be have integrity and to be passionate about what they do yeah and not you know don't raise a boy to think he has to work and provide because Gosh, there's what you were saying the other day, honey, that there's like loads of stay-at-home dads. Oh, yeah. I think probably the, I reckon perhaps the issue feels like it's coming to the foreground more because um, women apparently are are doing better at school and and university and things like that. So they're getting that more higher paid job. So like I already know probably there's, I think, two families in our neighborhood where the mum is a breadwinner and the dad stays at home. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to this, um, I think it was on Hack on Triple J, there was a guy talking about how he was a stay-at-home dad and he used to walk his kids and cry because he struggled so hard with the fact that he felt so emasculated. Mm -hmm. And then he said when his kids grew up, they went to school and he met other dads that were doing a similar thing and it got easier. But you can Mm -hmm. see that it is a struggle and it's probably a huge struggle for women too that... They're not around their kids and they're supposed to be... I think there's just so many mixed messages. You're supposed to be motherly and caring yet strong and independent and it's just so hard to be all those things. Sebastian yeah. was saying that the other day at band because mm-hmm. he was like, oh, yeah, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I was, I'd like to talk about masculinity and stuff. And he's saying that um, it's really hard. It's even more now for men. He's like, it could have... It's possible <laughs> that it was even easier in the olden days because you had to find roles, whereas now men have to be all those old school sort of, uh, you know, strong and a breadwinner. But then you've also got to be caring and supportive and sensitive. And it's like, well, I think you just got to come up with a a sustainable, like a realistic view of what a person should be. Like just, just, just a person because like, you know, if your kid grows up and he wants to be an artist... Gosh, you better not be telling him he needs a full-time job because Mm. that is going to be at the... That's just going to kill him. That's going to haunt him for the rest That'll of his life. That'll haunt him He'll be 30 having existential crisis <laughs> when, mm. he, when he, like, drives home from work. Like, That's right. I think it's all just... It's literally how you're brought up, I think, mm. and, and what you're taught to value. Mm. And, and I, if, yeah. if you start to devalue yourself, that's really dangerous because you tend to be yeah. unhappy yeah. throughout life, I think. Yeah. Have you guys heard of Ken Robinson? That is it Ken Robinson? The guy that is... Um, he talks about the education system and how it's out of date so it was developed 
around the industrial revolution to train people to be architects and engineers Mm. and have all those trades that were needed in society but now that we no longer are reliant on those things the education system hasn't evolved but we're still stuck in valuing in school maths and science yet the people that are artistic are almost or in my school i went to an all-girl private school if you weren't doing those core subjects and doing well you were just kind of you were frowned on yeah if you're just doing art if you were doing the arty subjects and that kind of thing um then you weren't really seen as contributing to the school and they're kind of like oh well what's the point of you being at a private school if you're gonna you know just do those subjects mm. well uh, i had a friend on uh, joel birch who's a, a teacher yeah i know him on, on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing guy <laughs> yeah but even he says you know he he sees those children like every day because he's yeah. a teacher and even he knows that yeah a lot of the curriculum is just outdated crap yeah and even the way they grade students is really demeaning like yeah. the fact that they're grading you on right and wrong as opposed to effort-based recognition yeah and stuff like yeah. that so and music nowadays i think it's getting worse it's getting devalued more and more mm. music in the classroom and especially now with the current budget cutting so much money from arts and stuff but yeah oh man like there was that i was watching good game and they were talking about that they've cut a grant for gamers um <laughs> independent games yeah grants and they said um how boring it would would it be if the world was just inhabited by engineers and mathematicians? <laughs> and it's so true. Because yeah. um, gaming is an art form. I mean, you are creating like, yeah. art and stuff with it. So I just think, it, I mean, it is important. Obviously, mm. we're biased because we're in the arts. But no, it yeah. is important. It's, it, it it's is. so important. It makes a city totally fun. Important. It makes your life fun. Not only that, but, you know, with uh, Damien Petrelli we had on the podcast, he's like an old drum teacher. He still teaches drums, but he says that Music in the classroom isn't actually about music. It's about communication skills. That's what you mm. really learn in the music um, classroom. It's, it's learning how to compromise, how to communicate with people, yeah. how to oh, understand work, people, yeah, how to read body language, how to you know, um, communicate without using words through music, mm. um, how to tolerate people, how to accept differences. You're not learning just music. You're learning life skills in, mm. when you jam with people. Yeah. And that's so... It's devalued because people think, oh, you're just going to play the flute or the drums, you know? Like, they don't see that there's mm. a whole mass of other skills that you learn when you deal with people through music, like, and yeah. people don't realise that. I like. was told off by my sports teacher, I remember, for <laughs> skipping sports to play with my band. Mm. I, was in a, I was in my own team. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we had true. a captain. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, won comps and, you Who know. Who was the we, captain? Were you the captain? No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've actually always driven, I think, things, music, like my bands. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm just I a bossy. Just... I'm bossy by nature. Yeah, but, but <laughs> your yeah, your role starts to to take shape in the yeah. band. Like everyone has a different mm. role that they bring to the table. And yeah. I'm sure everyone is just as important as. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. someone who's quiet is there and, and is kind of keeping the peace or something like that yeah yeah it's like a it's a really it's a it's own little uh i don't know it's an ecosystem ecosystem. (laughs) you have a family dynamic a band ecosystem and we could draw like a like what do you call it the trees the the animal trees and like all the different species of musician (laughs) but i think like the (laughs) the super important thing is like you 
you just you should be definitely around people that share your passion mm-hmm. like if you hang out with bankers and lawyers you're gonna you're gonna feel in invalidated yeah. whether or not they mean to like yeah, yeah they don't just, mean to they obviously yeah. not mean to yeah they're, they're not like, malicious they're super nice nature. people yeah. but they obviously have a different um uh they they value a different lifestyle mm-hmm. and that is instantly going to put yours into question just because ours isn't like socially acceptable so you got to be around people you 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 know they have a similar goal mm-hmm. and i think like to, just to help you this is if you're finding it hard and which i was and then also just realize that like all that insecurity that i felt was just for years insecurity about doing music full-time yeah and being a stay-at-home husband for sarah yeah um always having to um What's that thing where I'm, like, having to prove myself? Yeah. It was, like, yeah. it was really annoying. And always having to, like, you know, I, I always felt like I needed to tell Sarah, oh, you know, I painted this today to show that I did something tangible, like, because yeah. writing a song isn't good enough. Like, you want to show that you have worth. Worth. And, and yeah, it's, then that's it's, hard. It is, yeah. For a musician. But, yeah, yeah. but what I'm saying is, like, I think that's all psychological. Like, it is. It is. For it was you. all masculine. It was, I was feeling emasculated. And that's what led to a lot of depression and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so once you passed, once you realize that it's just a stupid ideology, you know, that a man has to make money or be have power, mm. my God, you're just so much more open to sitting there and working on your music and being involved yeah. in the music industry mm-hmm. um, and really judging yourself critically and saying, I don't know, you just, that whole world can just disappear for you. And yeah. You're all just about contributing music to, you know, Perth scene or, yeah. you know, to, you know. And for yourself as a, as a creator process to, to grow and, and yeah. to let go of things as exactly. well. Um, I, yeah, the, the second I let go of that whole idea mm. is when I started to not only feel better, but create better. And focus a, on your career, like give yeah. your career, like it's a valid career what you're doing and it gave me i didn't have that sense of urgency to do stuff quick like Mm. quickly get like i'm happy to slow burn into something Mm. and i'm if it does take a decade then at least i'll be secure and happy as a person yeah like through those 10 years as opposed to forcing myself into into a little hole that i don't fit in in the first place yeah like so. that Missy Higgins song about triangles <laughs> and what circles. Um, triangle trying to fit in a circle. Is that something. the lyrics? Yeah, yeah. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she just summed it all up. I can sing it like the way... Missy just summed it up. You have hey. to sing it like Missy Higgins. I'm not going to... Oh, I can sing. So you go, you go, a triangle trying to fit in a circle. That was beautiful. She tried to... Touch me till it fit. I don't actually think they're the words, but well, I, don't I think, think I just made it pornographic. What? Just tried to. <laughs> she tried to touch me till, till it fit. It fit? <laughs> no, I don't know. I used to know the words. I'm gonna edit just that little bit. Of voice <laughs> no, you don't edit it. Keep it in. I was gonna say something else intelligent, and that was that. I'm not sure if this is relevant, but I felt that when you um, had these epiphanies, I remember. Yeah, you also it also opened you up to be able to do like work on your company which isn't related to music because it was kind of like you could be a musician and this and that you didn't have to just be one thing Mm. as opposed to everything else and that was kind of cool for you like i was kind of waiting for you to have that epiphany you know because 
because you can be so i don't think anyone is ever one thing you just like a, yeah. an enigma of things yeah i think uh, pressure does bad things yeah, you. like it oh, can do sure. good things. Expectations well. are terrible. But yeah, oh when you're God. doing when you're doing things to seek approval, it becomes really contrived, mm-hmm. and people can see through it. And yeah, you do have that negative kind of frustration about like people can pick up on that. I think. I think. Yeah, like you probably people can same. feel the energy, and like I've been like that as well. So. Have you yeah, gone for a job that was just like not you at all? All the time. I think every every job I've done just hurts and I, it's like i've i've always like told myself off like i always thought it was laziness because you know from, from you know like the whole parent thing like yeah get hmm. the fuck off that stop yeah, doing that know, you'll just stop being lazy right yeah. and then so i always like punish myself like maybe i am just pretty fucking worthless at a job Hmm. Like um, and but and then it just gets I, worse when you tell it does, yourself yeah, that. It does get yeah. worse. But once I let go of that and thought, well, it's it's external. It's it's the yeah. fact that I don't fit there and I'm not supposed to be there. Once I came to terms with that, like I became like hell way happier. I think and I yeah. accepted myself for who I was finally. It's crazy. This guy in our family, he um, extended family, I suppose. He's young. He's like our age. He um, yeah, he gets a lot of crap for not having a job. Mm-hmm. But then, or whatever, and I don't know, he, he's just not fitting. But then he's making, like, all these um, skate and surf videos, and he's awesome. Mm. And he's super passionate about it. Yeah. That yeah. stuff's just so cool. I love seeing that. You just think how, just how wonderful it is that he's found something that he loves. And it's just so, school is so dumb because they <laughs> make you, gosh, if you're bad at maths, you're, you know, you're an idiot or or you're lazy, or you need... God, there's... Mathematicians wouldn't know how to paint a picture. There's some. I'm sure there's some great artists, mathematicians. Mm, but yeah. find that what the kid's good at and what the kid's passionate about. It's like that whole show Jonah from Tonga that's on... Yeah, yeah. yeah. ABC Ivy. So yeah. good. That's just what that's about for me. That yeah. show. I love that show. It's just like, there's a kid. <laughs> He's so bad. He's like... <laughs> Chris yeah. Lilly is amazing. He is. And Jonah is helpless. But I swear, I don't know, it's only episode three. I swear to God, that, that show, he's going to find something that fits him. And yeah. that's what's going to be the message about that show. I'm yeah. just waiting for that episode because it's going to be really awesome. Well, a lot of kids that are frustrated and do bad in school like that and yeah. are seen as the black sheep, mm. they're simply just like untapped balls oh, of potential. Oh, so true. Like it's, they just haven't found and they've been... The worst thing is they've been constantly told that they're bad at what they're doing. And therefore, it starts a vicious cycle where they just devalue themselves to the point where they get into drugs and shit like that. And they just hate themselves. And a lot of my high school friends that were kind of dropouts, like, found their passion in, like, mechanics and cars. And they're doing Mm. really well now with their business. But, you know, at the time, they were told that they were fucking idiots. Yeah. So... It's, it's hard. I was going to say that reminds me of my little sister who's yeah. 15 because she, she um, everyone was saying, oh, you're not reading, you need to read more. And because she loves films and everything. So I was like, why don't you read some screenplays? So she just became obsessed with reading screenplays. And um, like her writing improved so much because she just found something that she enjoyed reading as opposed to reading, I don't know, like the, the plays they gave her yeah. at school. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I reckon that, what you're saying about the school system being a bit out of out of whack 
Like there are so many ways you can learn. Mm. And now it's like her writing is just actually very, very good. It's just become, yeah, 100% better. Yeah, I get the vibe that she's going to find something and be really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. And But, like, you just got to remember there's no ticking clock. Like, we're so obsessed with um, youth. Mm. So obsessed with it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, when you get, you know, forehead lines, you should just have a fringe. Like, what the fuck? Or Botox. My oh mum does Botox. Yeah. And so now when I look at my face, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a... Because f- my business has tripled in growth in the past few months. So, I've <laughs> I've aged... Sarah's got a white hair. I've started to age. I've got about 10 white hairs. So, and now I'm like looking at my face and I'm like, oh, maybe I should get mum to give me some Botox. There's nothing wrong with your face. Yeah. (laughs) No, but it's just so tempting. She lives next door. I'm like, come on over. And and apparently they're saying like, oh, you got to have Botox in your 30s so that the wrinkles don't (sighs) form. It's like, dude, who cares? Like, you're just going to get old. Everyone's going to get old. But I mean... I'm a sucker as well because you buy into it mm. and then you're just like, oh, why did you buy into that? Yeah. Because it's so stupid. But yeah, we're obsessed with youth and that's yeah. where I think art is just, it's tough because you go, everyone says, oh, you know, but wh- oh, okay, this is, the, this is the best one. What about your plan B? What if you don't get famous and you turn 40? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, I, I don't know. I'd probably still want to play music. You know, you're not going to change your... There is no plan B. <laughs> Sir, there is no plan Sir, B. Sir, <laughs> I decree. You're just going to be old and playing music. So what? Like, you're, just, you're still going to be playing music. You, still, think, you can't change they're, yourself. They're overwhelmed like with the idea that someone can be so passionate about one thing. Yeah. They're like, how, how does that work? How do you do that without making money? Yeah, and <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. compute. And it's like, well, it's just really hard probably for, you know, for most people it's really hard. And we've just, like I said, we're blessed that we don't pay rent. But, mm. my God, it's like, um, oh. Yeah. We had a, oh, my God, I'll tell you our plan, right? So before <laughs> we were allowed to stay rent-free, Sarah and I talked to my parents. And we're like, my dad's got a... um Garage? Yeah. You'd say a two... <laughs> A two and a half car garage with an upstairs loft and uh, in the on, the on his next to his house and my parents and um and I was like Dad can we turn the garage into a house because like yeah we decided flat? we decided that we wouldn't we would try and work out how to be out of the system and that people had too much land so we thought <laughs> we'll spend all our money that we got from our wedding and renovate this garage into a cool loft and then we'll just be creative for the rest of our lives it was community living living. with michael's parents (laughs) well they had another house that's where it was like slightly okay you know i would have put a little fence and had a little veggie garden but we had that plan we were ready to go hey pretty much yeah and then we got the offer which i think was nice and um much nicer to live in a house but you're gonna have we to put up to with it. me sleeping there every day <laughs> yeah. you're always welcome once, <laughs> once i build a band room in the back it's yeah. like daryl's room <laughs> that'd be awesome we used to share gosh to afford the rent a big in the beginning we had to have six uh housemates yeah. and, and then was everyone epic. had girlfriends and boyfriends it so was it was like a party every house. night oh yeah. my god we had to get an extra um solo uh recycling bin because my brother was living there and for he drank a lot of beer Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know, four cartons a week. Just that bin was full. 
and then all the food oh my god it was it was a crazy crazy time yeah. in our lives but um yeah it's funny it's anyway sounds like, like a cool alone. idea yeah it okay. was a cool idea to live with my folks i think because you know it you just actually have to put your priorities straight and say mm. i could get a job i could buy a house but i'm going to be fucking miserable yeah like you know because i'm not saying everybody obviously i'm just yeah, saying yeah for the us, ones yeah. that know they yeah. know they're just going to be fucking miserable in yeah. their job and your priorities have to just you know you just gotta you gotta set yourself some priorities for god's sake yeah yeah mm. yeah you, the, the, there's a fork in the road basically yeah and absolutely. You, you can either take one path and mm. take the risk of Possibly having no money, but mm. being happy and passionate and creative in what you want to do. Yeah, and or being... you can slog it out for five years in the mines and come back and kill yourself. <laughs> oh my god! I've just had a friend that's just quit the mines. They um, go crazy. They go a little bit oh. loopy, right? Like, oh, they he's get a little bit loopy. They now, they've now cool, had. Um, but... Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. So no, that's cool. No, no. I was just going to say they've done like studies on it now that they've had like a decade of them come through to show that. Yeah, they do get psychological issues yeah, from working really? and being isolated. I know, like, yeah, my mate, he's he's got a lot of money now, so, but he's he's got out, and I just spoke to him on the phone today, and he just seemed like really happy, um, and he's definitely set himself up like financially. Yeah, yeah, and he's very young, so I'm not saying he's he's I'd say what is he, he's um, mid twenties. So he's done really well. Um, I do have respect for people, by the way, that that can do that. I'm not saying that. Oh no, it's that. it's a tough job. Yeah, my is. God, yeah. but it's um, it is just a tough job. That's all mm. it is. If if you have it in you, then it's a way to to make some money. But I would, I mean, from that study you were telling me about the life expectancy and the working mm. those hours, it's probably not the best thing to do forever. But and um, I think there's a high portion that are forced to kind of get into that whole alcohol culture of working really hard and then destroying yourself oh, yeah, yeah. on like when yeah, you come back when you come back i think especially yeah. the young kids like well from when when we were younger and we had friends that were doing it money. in the early 20s yeah they'd come home and they just have this money so they'd have buy like a massive 3d tv 3d tv <laughs> and then i don't know and then um new car like take drugs like that. you know a musician a lot of, a lot of drugs. when mm. you see you go Oh, how much was that TV? Oh, three grand. And you think to yourself, I could have a Gibson. You just think, oh my God, I could have a, I could have two Fenders. It's like a new fucking drum kit. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you think it's about like it. It's like recording time. That's like an out. That's an EP. <laughs> <laughs> that's an EP done at Underground. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It's, yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad we've had this conversation because like, it's nice to put it all down. All my thoughts. Yeah. It's very reassuring because I think, especially artists, you, you need constant reassurance that things are going to be okay. I know. We're massive. <laughs> like, we're so insecure. Yeah. Please tell me this is okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think there's a reason and that's because, you know, I think society in general, like as we were talking about, there are certain roles that you're expected to play gender-wise and career-wise, mm. I think the odds are kind of stacked against us. So we kind of... Ha- it's good that we're banding together and, like... Yeah, I think you find the people that will make you feel good in the end. Yeah. I was, like, looking past... I was looking over my whole life and I was like... I mean, I didn't have a strong male role model. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a good dad, but, you know, he was very busy. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I, I definitely gravitated to my mum more. And... I think when I left home, 
I looked back and I was like, instantly went into trade and got, I didn't get my trade, but I was, you know, pretty blokey blokey. You probably remember me from during that time. Yeah. And I just think I, I was, must have been so insecure about my masculinity. Like I wanted to be really tough, you know. And you, you project that and, onto others as well by... Yeah. Yeah, it, it shows, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it shows. It's not great. And then like, and you get so caught up in it. Like, and I was doing music and my, my boss at the time, I took one day off a week for music, I remember. And he, every Thursday, he'd say, so are you coming to work tomorrow? <laughs> I'd be like, no, we agreed Friday was my day off. <laughs> oh, okay. Just, just checking you know yeah yep. and yeah he wasn't just checking he was kind of paying out on me every week he was because every hits. week every thursday yeah oh you're going to come into work tomorrow michael mm. no we agreed i was a contract i was allowed to yeah um but anyway and then i was like oh my god you know i've been a tradesman i've been um what was i oh, i started a company with employees right just really trying to get my profile in society up and up mm. and it burnt me out and and then i as soon as I quit, my as soon as I actually sold the company, the timber flooring company, I was like, I just felt like a whole new person. Do you remember? You were a new person. Oh, I was it laughing was and dancing around, <laughs> and I was writing music. You were so sad, yeah. Before, yeah, I think I it, it, yeah. so good. I, I like to call it um, the vampire. <laughs> like, and, I, and I've heard this from another podcast, so I'm kind of ripping, ripping it off. But you know, every. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> every now, every now and again in life, you will have a vampire, whether it be a person or a job, and oh, that yeah. vampire just drains the inspiration out of you slowly. Mm. And I think the more you can identify those yeah. vampires and yeah. then just cut them out and just go, look, I'm not gonna. Well, that's a cool idea. That. Yeah. Um, and it can be a relationship, it can be a person, mm. it can be a boss or a job or smoking or drinking too much whatever the vampire is that's actually yeah. affecting mm. you your positivity you have to mm. cut it out as soon as possible yeah. and it can be as much as like a, a friend that's putting you down all the time and you yeah you can just be like look dude i'm not going to take that anymore and the second you do that like yeah you will feel better and you will find your potential more yeah. i think because those things hold you back some people don't get rid of that shit ever takes a lot of self-awareness i think it does you yeah. have to be objective and yeah but um it some people can live entire lives just with vampires everywhere and not but, the cool ones that sparkle like in twilight yeah not the sexy ones so. no, they're so sexy <laughs> not but the tilda swinton with their vampires. brooding stares yeah i just um i said no to a client recently and it was really hard like i was freaking out about it but mm. then i felt so proud of myself Saying no. But just by saying no to someone that you just knew you wouldn't be a good fit with, like their personality, yeah, yeah. and you're working with them creatively, and you're like, oh. She's pretty stressed. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you say no, and it's usually fine, as long as you're not yeah, an it's asshole. Okay. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to say no. Yeah. Because, yeah, the world doesn't revolve as much around you as you think, I guess. Yeah. I tend to or think Or does it, it? Or does it? Quantum theory. <laughs> <laughs> the world, no, but your world is just all that matters, I think. I saw this psycho psychologist a while back because I was having some depression. And um, he was like, you know, you're lucky because you know what lights your fire, you know, yeah. music. But um, you're definitely feeling a lot of, like, you're not feeling much self-worth. You're very insecure. And he went into why maybe, but who knows. But, um, yeah, it's all, like, so tied into money and a job. Yeah. And he's like, Mark, you just need a job. And, you know, he's probably not, he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, a job probably would help. 
but then there's so many jobs i don't i like spending my time on my music mm-hmm. so it's really like um, a part-time job would be nice but i never really went to uni and mm. i'm not going to start so for me it was just starting a little company that is just a bit of you know a break from yeah. music and also i think what he was saying that actually made a lot of sense to me is you need to be part of a community mm. you need to be, you need to be surrounded by people that you just get a bit of recognition from yeah because and they, they validate you as well God, yeah. even if they just tell you if you rock up and they say oh your hair looks good or i like your jumper like anything <laughs> like that validates you existing is just that's just what you need you can't yeah. coop yourself up in a box mm. But um, I think that being creative and in business as well, it can be very lonely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you are very alone. So, yeah, seeking out those networks is so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that to anyone feeling like alone or a bit depressed about their music or their career choice. You just need to find like-minded people. Yeah. Straight away. Or even yeah. um, like this is really not, I don't know, I guess it's a community, but on Twitter when I just fo- started following writers on Twitter and mm. screenplay writers and they're all tweeting about how hard it is. Because even like when Michael talks about his musical process and how he does it, it's so different to writing. And I always thought, oh, maybe it's, you know, there's something wrong with what I'm doing because it's not the same as, as what Michael's kind of experiencing. But then when you go on Twitter and you just see all these writers going, oh, writing is so shit. <laughs> I've just been procrastinating all day. And it just makes you feel kind of like. Twitter oh. is like a party and uh, only people that you invite to follow are in that party. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I see it. So, you know, when, whenever you're feeling shit, you just like hop on your newsfeed and you see everyone struggling, everyone bitching about stuff yeah. and you feel okay. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. inspiring. It, it makes you keep going with stuff that's hard because there's, ev- you know, other people are experiencing it too. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. Is there a big writing community, like script writing? You should tell Daryl Yeah, there's tons. Yeah. Cool. Oh, right now? Yes. Because uh, I've been working so much, I feel like I've just not been working on my script. But, yeah, so it's an Australian horror movie and it's about a family that drive their camper van across Australia, but they're not alone. In the cool. camper so, van. So the camper van was re, re, um, refurbished. It used to be a 70s-era Mr. Whippy van driven around by a pedophile who wow. okay. who abducted children. And then his ghost is haunting the van and the kids that are in it in the latter-day Australia. It's fucking disturbing. Yeah. So I would watch that. <laughs> I, I actually gay. mentioned it to, to Ben Young when he was on the podcast. and He, he dug the idea as well. I don't think there's a... Well, there's not, not enough Australian film as it is because it's so hard to get funding. It but, is, yeah. Uh, let alone Australian horror films that are done well. Although there's that so. one that just came out that we're excited about seeing. Yeah. So, yeah. but we yeah. got the I got the idea because we went on our honeymoon across the Nullarbor and so it was beautiful. just so beautiful and mm-hmm. I just felt like, um, I just felt like the world was open, like the road was open on the trip. But do you remember how like um uh, reflective you felt and it was like yeah. it almost just yeah it gave I think it it would be an awesome location for not just a horror movie but a horror movie that kind of quite puts into question like your own I don't yeah. know your own your past or your where you're headed like it's a kind of it's a really <laughs> weird place it's just one road yeah and you kind of just you have to follow that road across yeah. you know the the the, yeah. the great the australian bite and it's so like it's such a awesome symbol for like am i actually stuck on this one road here am i destined to end up there it's just a weird sight like you know that's the straightest 
length of road in the southern hemisphere it's mm. 140 something kilometers and it's of flat it. as well right? dead straight man yeah you can fucking see yeah the curvature of the earth so, yeah, so it's, no, it's you called can't, but it's straight <laughs> it's amazing oh my god and you just feel so it's just such a funny like yeah. environment well to to me the the best films uh they use like a genre as a general backdrop yeah but they put in ideas and values like yeah. underneath it and it can Levels. be a bit it, yeah it can be as casual as you want or it can be as deep as you want yeah and i think those are like the best movies where it it makes you question a few things about yourself i think well i read like a first draft of the script and it's very psychological and awesome reminded me a bit of like apocalypse now you know yeah. how he's kind of so uh He's just, he's reading, remember how he's in Apocalypse Now, he's reading that guy's memoirs mm -hmm. and he's slowly like becoming insane from reading. Yeah. Is it, um, who's the guy that's the evil SAS, uh, the evil guy in Apocalypse Now? I can't remember. Uh, I Martin, Marlon Brando. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah. he's reading Marlon Brando's memoirs and he's slowly becoming insane and he just like, remember how he gets there and he meets him and he's just like, doesn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. And his friend head, friend's head gets brought to him. Oh my God. It's just crazy. I find it weird that like, I don't even remember that movie. Like all of the things you're saying. You it's don't like remember you just it made it up. now. No, I just It's don't. the best movie. Yeah, I know. I just forget <laughs> movies as soon as Your I watch them. Your movie has a similar pace. It's fantastic. Um, it's got that really like cool. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No, no, no. I just, I know that you're what you're, I'm just saying this and sounding like a dickhead well i think you I need to forget. go and watch apocalypse now then <laughs> um because martin sheen is the shit is that the one where the sur the guy surfs yeah oh yeah robert duvall <laughs> just decides to surf in the middle of like a beach landing and he looks like such a handsome model in <laughs> it's it so as well. weird so in terms of like do you know are you writing the screenplay for it as well or just the script? Oh, yeah. So, it is It is a screenplay. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm up to kind of the third draft. And I think that's where you get the biggest kick when you finish your first draft. You're yeah. like, yes, it's amazing. And mm. then when you go back and you're going, oh, I could have done this scene differently. And yeah. Then it kind of becomes work. Um, and that's probably why now that um, I've been writing for my clients, I've kind of not gotten in that headspace um but i went through a really good phase where i was writing before i started work because one of the things i find is that as soon as i start thinking too much it kind of screws with the process whereas if i just wake up and write it's really really easy and lovely mm. you just get in the most wonderful kind of mood and vibe yeah i think if you plan to write it's very hard yeah it, you have yeah. to you have to, as it comes you have to kind of grab it but i think for me like i mean this is one of the reasons why like i fell in love with michael was just the um Aww. i felt no i've always just really felt like i come from a very in love with me <laughs> I've, michael i've i have something really? to tell you i think i'm in love with you <laughs> oh my god um no don't don't make jokes out of something i'm trying to be serious <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Michael uh, Michael always does this. He makes things funny when he's um, when I start talking seriously. But because I, I came from a very academic family, so being kind of creative, and I always felt for some reason that being creative was the most important thing in life. And there's this American president, and I don't know who it was, but they were talking about cutting war funding, and he was like, uh, "I'm sorry, cutting the arts funding during the war." And he said, "Well, what's the point?" I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. What to are you. we fighting for? What are we fighting for yeah. exactly? And um, I knew Isn't that... Churchill? 
something like that, I think. I knew that I needed someone <laughs> I like I Michael around. Churchill. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's it's true though. If you yeah, if just you, remind you to stay focused. Do I remind on you to stay focused? Yeah, on because you're so focused on being creative, and it reminds me that I need to be like that too. So yeah. when you say, you're oh, far better than me at creative stuff. So oh, maybe I need to be around you. That's not. That's so not true. Mm. So is have you thought about like your intentions? How like would you film? Like, are you going to go ahead with making this movie, or are you just kind of seeing how the screenplay writing goes? Um, well, the thing about me is that whenever I start something, I always think about being the best in the world at it, and then <laughs> yeah. I freak out so much that I don't continue. Or, like, I kind of have to have, like, a small mental breakdown. You expect too much. Yeah. yeah. So, so with this script, it's actually been pretty cool because I've just been focusing on the story because mm-hmm. I truly believe – I guess it's a bit like having a good acoustic version of your song before you, you – Yeah, know, before you go and there. spend 20 grand recording yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, I really believe that if something has a good story, then you can attract people to the, um, the film and, and get them interested in it. Yeah. So, I'm, I know that I'm definitely making it. And I'm either going to fund it myself or get people to assist me with it. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, it's like my brain's not allowed to go there. I'm just making myself think yeah. about the words and yep. just making a, a story that is interesting and, and yeah. captivating. We're doing yeah. a lot of research though, hey honey? Oh, it's pretty cool, yeah. We watch movies We watch every movies about night. the universe. And I also feel like it's a bit like a sci-fi because even though it's on the Nullarbor, um, I love I love how sci-fis are so isolated and it really forces people to just kind of look within themselves and often the enemy isn't, isn't like the something else. It's them. Yeah, The Thing, which the is that John Carpenter film. It's like set in the snow. Not the yeah. new one, the, the one from oh the 80s. Oh, my God, well, not the remake. Yeah. <laughs> it's that one of my favourite sci-fis. Yeah. Alien Man in the Snow. That's what it should have been called. <laughs> Cyborg yeah. policeman and Strangely alien didn't man. Sell too well with that title. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that. Um, oh. I just John Carpenter is a brilliant filmmaker. He does and, all these um, soundtracks. Yeah, and just uh, his characters. I remember and playing the the game, the PlayStation One game of the thing. They have a game, mm. and you basically cool. had to uh, uh, keep your team members in check and help them from not going insane. They'd be like a meter. Yeah. Oh my god! And if they Awesome. Saw too much stuff, they would start shaking, and you'd have to calm them down. It was actually a really, really good game. Awesome. Yeah, but yeah, we've been watching heaps of horror. And yeah, like, we have because um, movies for pacing and look because yeah. we don't want it to. Remember, we we're talking about you know Aussie films. I think like just because there's not the industry isn't here mm-hmm. yet, it's yep. the same thing with production for music. The industry, there's no competition. Yep, real competition mm-hmm. to make a. Uh, this sounds really dumb, but a Hollywood grade sort of movie. Yeah, the standards you know obviously I mean? the standard. Bit, yeah, it's yeah. not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I remember we found when we went to LA. The mm-hmm. mixing standard, like although there's some, there are some select few awesome producers here in Perth. Yeah, over there in LA, there's quite a lot because yeah. the the competition. They can't just is, get by with recording a band. You nicely. can't get by you, you with have recording to brand yourself. Yeah, yeah, some band <laughs> where the guys work at the mines, they mm. come back and they record an album. They don't know that their album sounds, yeah. you know, it's not as good as like a properly, you know. Yeah. Whereas the pricing is exactly the same there. Mm. It's yeah. just the competition mm. and the standard is like to a Sony, a major label standard. Yeah, and here's sort of the same with movies. I think there's no yeah. like major. Um, studio standard mm. 
Therefore, the, the incentive to have a worldwide kind of a, a standard isn't there, so... Yeah, so we're really, yeah. like, we've been racking our brains, but we're, like, watching movies a lot, and we really want <laughs> We it, would do that anyway. We though. really want it to look... <laughs> we, we just really want it to look, like, top. But yeah, I, and yeah, I think it's totally guess, possible um, as well. Like, I think it is. It, I actually think it'll take a while, obviously, if you self-fund it and, and work on it yourself, but yeah. I actually think it is totally possible. It's not outside the realm of... Yeah, no, I think it's possible. Like, I always think, you know, if you decide to do something, you can do most things. Mm. But, um, yeah, the the story to me is the most important thing because I figure that, I mean, I'm a bit of a control freak, but I know that, like, on projects and things like that, you know, if you find people that are kind of on your wavelength, then they'll bring things to it and yeah. they'll bring it to another level. So I feel as though what I can bring to it is a story element of it. And also, you know, I guess what it's like to be a young girl growing up and that kind of thing. So I guess it's got that kind of um, coming of age, puberty blues things happening, but it's within like Mm. a horror setting, Mm. which is which is exciting. I love I love horror movies. There's not too many movies that I think that have. Well, maybe there are, but I I can't think of any at the moment. But it'll be cool to touch on other themes and make it not really not conventional. I think will be cool. Yeah, I think the coolest thing about horror is that I think it was um, there's this really amazing guy that um, teaches people to write um, screenplays and his name's John McKee and he talks about horror and he says it's not about, you know, the character, the main character in a horror movie, it's like he, it's not dying, that's the worst thing, it's um, a fate worse than death. In horror movies, so the character you know, has to wish for death. The, ca- the character has to yearn for death, and thinking about that, I mean, that's the other thing. Is sometimes when you start writing about it, you get in this really dark place, yeah. and I start becoming a real bitch to Michael. I don't know <laughs> if he notices it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, because yeah, especially when you get into stuff like possession and killing your yeah. own family, because Fuck. that's that's what you'd rather the person terrifying. die right, oh. than to go on and murder the whole family. Become a demon. Yeah. Exactly. But I guess I always remember that that the way people will be viewing it won't be, you know, they won't be empathetic towards the pedophile. Mm-hmm. It'll be looking at it from... You know, oh my god, I can't believe he would do that. Evil pedophile ghost. No. Evil. I know you can't get much fucked. more evil than that. That is evil. I know. Yeah. And then he. Pos- oh, I don't, I'm not going to tell you the plot. Sorry. It's going to say, but it is a really good pre- um, scary uh, pretense. Though it it's sounds legitimately scary. scary. And there's, I think, with the environment, there's a lot of shots that you can play with of the sky and the driving and yeah. all that stuff will be amazing. The Nullarbor Plain, and you can just have plain. like, yeah, like really deep dialogue sections that have the backdrop of just mm. nothing like just the open plain Absolutely. and just really good like sitting on well, the car and talking and it's the family yeah. you see driving yeah. across there's that whole family dynamic yeah. which is like yeah. super interesting as well because yeah. um god a lot of people will be able to i think identify with you know mum issues or dad issues and, and the stuff. worst thing wouldn't the worst thing be sitting in a car oh, with your family, your family for like five days yeah i think i would want to kill there's myself. not many people i've met that would probably that would really like that no yeah i don't think so <laughs> I yeah. don't think any many people could actually handle it. Yeah, by the what, first day you're killing each other. There's always like you always <laughs> love like one parent. There's always like oh I could do that with you know maybe my mom or something. Yeah. But the whole family, brothers yeah. and sisters, and your dad. Oh my god! All, all the politics, the internal politics, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the silences that. Uh, oh my god! The yeah. brooding and the. Anyways, walking on eggshells. Yeah. yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. I think it's a good dynamic anyway. <laughs> Makes for a lot of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for coming, guys. You're welcome, Daryl. It was um, fun. When are we... Our, our launch is... Uh, the date is... 27th, 27th of June. Of June. And that will be at Odd the Fellow. Odd Fellow. That would be cool. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. That's that okay. Good fun. I've always... Uh, I've been meaning to have you guys on for ages. I just mm. felt that the time was... Sometimes you just have to wait for stuff to fall into place. Yeah. Like rushing stuff. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I was like, oh... You've been, like, interviewing famous people? Not really. Or sort of. I was yeah. like, why would he want to interview you? I know. I'm like, no. Oh. You don't have anything to say. <laughs> I'll just have a couple of beers, beers and get my rant on. That's yeah. pretty easy. Which is what I've done. Well, like, like we were talking about before, uh, surrounding yourself with people that are in the same headspace. Hmm. Where, but it can be any industry because I think even if you're in film or if you're hmm. a painter, it's still the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. If you're a producer even. Like, I think we're all in that same boat as much as, you know, our roles might be a bit different. Yeah. But um, that was the whole idea of the podcast for me. Really? Was to sit down properly and like... Yeah, well, that's really so, cool. You're creating a community. But yeah. we can see you. It's not like Twitter. <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I, I see it as like... It's going to sound really cheesy, but like a, a conversational jam session that's all it is it's like just cool talking and sometimes and, you say and feedback yeah and feedback <laughs> and it gives people like a an opportunity to talk and be heard as well yeah i think a lot of people suffer in silence absolutely I think that's kind of bad so <laughs> and also you know if anyone listens to this and um see me at a pub um i just yeah have a chat because now you know pretty much everything about me so <laughs> Tell him his hair looks nice. Yeah. And my jumper. And yeah. your cardigan looks nice. Thank you. And your songs are really, really nice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's been really fun. Thanks, man. And if man. you're not going to awesome. say that, don't go up to him. Don't go up to me. Because he might glass you. That's right. <laughs> I've got my glass on. That's horrible. Um, missionsisrl.com.au. Good luck with your script, by the way. Thank you. Keep us posted. Because, like, it's something that I really... Well, I don't want to place the expectation on you, so I'm going to pull back. But I, it's something that I would like to see one day on the screen. And can I just say that mm-hmm. having um, these conversations with you... Because I've always written and just not spoken about it. Yep. So, it's actually, it's, like, really inspiring. Like, you in, have inspired me to keep writing and people like you. So, thank you. Oh, no worries. I think talking about shit's, like, the best way. Because you you, you learn even just... Sometimes you... um. I guess you make yourself learn about the process when you talk yeah. about the process. And you get awesome ideas yeah. as well then, like, <laughs> you, you can take to, from you people. You have to share that stuff, like anything yeah. creative. As soon as you voice it, it becomes real. And then, so if, yeah. you're, if, you, if you're looking to paint a picture or make a movie or write a song, tell people that you're going to write a song because yeah. then you kind of have to. And that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I Definitely. <laughs> yeah. That's what you want to do. Mm. And get support from people. I think that's really important as well. Yeah. People that... You know, approve of what you're doing, and yeah, that will be you. that will be encouraging. It's going to be mm. pretty interesting. Come, you know, it comes the time when you make the make the we make the movie because I mean, it's like I've always thought song songwriters or musicians that it's a pretty hard job. I reckon if you crack it in the industry, you've done well. But I think, mm. gosh, if you're a writer director, you know, I mean, that's you know, that's photography, that's cinematography. Writing, yeah. storytelling, uh, music—you know the soundtrack. So you have like a team. Editing, you have a team. Acting. Oh my god! <laughs> like that's the hardest thing I reckon it's like yeah. a, you could ever do. It's like a triathlon. 
of creativity. No, mm. Mm. I that, think we just come up with the corniest term ever. Hun. A triathlon. That's what I do. It's a triathlon a for creative people. Yeah. Well, once you build like a network and you like you can place those roles to people that you can trust. I yeah. Think that, that's when it really gets interesting. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I know where I'm going for my soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> that's me. She's, oh, that's you. I don't know. I'm looking. She was at kind me. of looking at you and me, but I think <laughs> I was looking at the roof and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, well, between me and the roof, <laughs> I think I could do a pretty good job. Awesome. Well, thanks, Michael and Sarah. And, thanks, Daryl. Uh, we'll we'll play it out with um our latest single called Court, which is uh probably my favorite song on the album. Awesome. Hell yeah. Wait, what's wrong with the others? Across the tracks My love raged And your love lacked Time had sown Those tender cracks Love lost Reigned on a small man Tracks Welcomes me home I am a creature and I am 